Mac. Ladies and gentlemen. And we are back. Raps rant. All things Raptors. All things NBA. Ninth episode of the season. Where has Patrick time gone? Yeah, and we're in season three. Well, I like that I've labeled it season three, but yeah, a lot of episodes now. We're getting into it. So um, let's jump into uh, an update right now. So last time we spoke, we had back-to-back games against Philly coming up, Miami, and should have been – oh, wait, no, sorry, Houston. So the four games, game postponed today. We'll get into that right after, but – just a quick synopsis saying we split the the two-game series against Philly at home. We'll talk a little bit about that. Miami, which was, uh, I might put that at a schedule loss, third game in four nights on the road after being at home. So a disappointing performance from Pascal, but was he taken out of the game for health and safety? We'll get into that. And Houston was Houston. We expected to win that game. Uh, that was that. I would have been freaking out if they didn't. Yeah, they've lost 10 in a row. Not really a hard challenge on a Friday night for us. Um, but, Phil, that first Philly game last Sunday night, which we we watched after we recorded the podcast, what a, what a game. I just – yeah, I love playing that team. Uh, we're such a – it's such an interesting matchup. I think it's safe to say they're our, you know, biggest rival in the NBA right now. I love what Nick Nurse did putting Baines and Boucher together on Embiid and shutting him down. It was just, yeah, from start to finish, just uh, that first game on Sunday was just a great game, great team win. And, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, to take that was taking three in a row from Milwaukee and Philly, the top two teams in the East. So it was just, it was awesome. Yeah, that was, it leads, um, you just see the hope, the hope build. The I don't know how hopeful you can be, but just to enjoy this team play. As mentioned before, the defense has stepped up to be consistent. We know now, previously, the Raptors are very good at having a, having a system in play for guards. So you, know, you look back to Brooklyn, Kyrie, and Harden. They had a plan for that. Biggs has been a bit of a different story. Uh, basically, they just had some. They had to have guys step up. Baines did a very good job in the fourth quarter against Embiid. A lot of the times he – a couple of times he fell for his pump fake at the three-point line. He he stopped doing that, kept down, moved his feet well, and forced Embiid to either have to give up the ball or take some pretty off-balance shots. So when you have Joel, Joel Embiid, who's been as hot as any player in the NBA and in discussions of MVP uh, for the season, score only 25 points and majority of it's from the line, so he's not – getting a lot of field goals, that's a huge plus. So great job all around. Um, yeah, that's really – I mean, what else can you say about that game? You have to focus on the D. It was a good effort all around. Chris Boucher, we, you know, we, we talk oh, a lot yeah, about – That's right. Sorry. We got to we talk a lot about, about Boucher on the podcast this year. It was a, just another stellar effort from him coming off the bench. He, um, you know, 17 points. He was obviously lighting it up in the set, second half, hitting, hitting clutch shots. But the one stat that just jumped off the uh, off the stat sheet at me was he was a plus thirty two in that game, uh, and he block on Embiid. Sorry, that I, I got out of my seat for that one. Me too. Yeah, three blocks in the game. He could have probably had six. 
Um, there were a few times, I, I don't know, I can't remember who was shooting. I think it was Seth Curry where he was running out uh, to, to block the three and he didn't get the block, but he disrupted the shot enough that they, they that one of them hit the side of the backboard. Uh, Danny Green fouling out by, you know, by really, uh, they attacked him offensively, I think was huge because you take one of their best perimeter defenders and one of their best shooters out of the game for the, almost the entire fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just such a fun game to watch. And, you know, I just, it's, it's one of those things where I think if the Raps can, uh, figure out the center position, uh, it's one of those playoff matchups that I'd actually like to see. Yeah. Well, we're definitely not afraid of Philly. Uh, that's for sure. We need to take it to them. And it's good to see guys like Fred play well against them because he's typically a bad matchup given their length of their perimeter defenders. But Fred's just his game is just keeps growing. He is so crafty on the offensive end now and he's able to get a shot, which is awesome. That three, the three with the shot clock winding down at the end of the first quarter, like it wasn't a buzzer beater, but it was toward the end of the first quarter. It was just I mean, yeah, quintessential Freddie, 23 points. Um, yeah, just a just a great game. And the next game, I mean, I'll, basically the Raptors didn't shoot well, and you had a letdown on the offensive end, but D was consistent. You still held Embiid to a terrible night for his standards. But, yeah, hey, Philly's a good team. So to get a split out of that scenario, I was okay with it. Um, I obviously, you, you know, when you play, you we were just talking about this, when you play Milwaukee back to back in Milwaukee and then Philly twice, and you go three and one, I'll take that. I'll take that any day of the week. And you know, uh, when you're playing the Philadelphia 76ers, if you lose the first quarter by 19 points, you're putting yourself at a tremendous disadvantage. And obviously, they only they only lost by seven. They 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 showed hard. They came back and they played well for the for the rest of the game. But yeah, they just uh, that that start was just too much. Sure. And I agree with you on the Miami game. Uh, I really like the Miami matchup with us too. I think we're two teams that play each other very well. Obviously, the first two times we played them, Jimmy Butler wasn't in the lineup. Um, but uh, but I just I think I think our two teams match up really well, and uh, and I hope I hope we see. I, it's another team I, I would like to see. I don't know if I hope to see Miami. That, that's a team that it is. We always it's almost like we both struggle against each other. Uh, the def, uh, the defense is always yeah. pretty intense. I don't like watching it. It makes me stressed out because I, with Philly, I know that they have more talent. So we're the underdog with Miami. It's kind of like, Hey, we kind of should be in the same level when we lose. It really pisses me off. <laughs> so that's one of those. I, I wouldn't enjoy watching that series. I would love it because I think it's grimy. It's def- defense first. And it's it, it, every game in a seven game series against a team like the heat would be just someone get have to get hot, right? Someone, has yeah. to get hot from three, and Miami's got their fair share of, of three point shooters as well. So anyway, I I'd like to see that. Um, and uh, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Pascal at the end of that game. He had a he had a shitty game overall, but uh, oh, he was terrible offensively, terrible. And I don't know, I, I actually missed a good portion of it and was kind of checking box score and then watched the end of the game. And five points. Yeah, I mean, was it a result of Bam being on him one on one? Did he struggle that way, or did they did they pressure him down low? Did they double team him effectively? What happened? They were well, they were forcing him to do what uh, uh, what he's what 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 you do against a guy like Pascal Siakam. Did you see? Was he doing that stupid one foot fadeaway? Philly shot six three pointers, and he made one of them. Yeah, so it's it was, and he probably one footed too, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Fading. 
Fading one footer. It was that kind of game for him, but twenty only twenty four minutes. Uh, well, well, here's the thing. I mean, you get the next game. He's out on health and safety protocols. Was he pulled out for that? I mean, as much as Pascal is, was playing terribly offensively, he's one of your better defensive defensive players, if not you know up there with OG. Why is he not on the floor? I mean, at the end, we got crushed on the glass. I mean, I know we're the worst rebounding team in the NBA, but why is he not out there? I mean. You play him in those scenarios. He's your guy. He's your stars. Who you who you pay? Dude, Put him out there. The only the only thing to speculate on is that is that either Nurse knew he was struggling uh, or he's got COVID. And uh, what, was, will you keep him on the bench? Well, I mean, but he's you know it, it could be this uh, similar situation to Durant uh, yeah, when, when the Raptors played him. I mean, we're only speculating now because you know they canceled they canceled today's game. Half the friggin' coaching staff and Pascal were out on Friday, um, and the NBA doesn't give much detail. They just say no. they all they said was that uh, you know the their players were in the health and safety protocol and that we couldn't field the team. We didn't have eight players available to play, and so it kind of leaves you scratching your head, wondering what that means. Um, you know, my thought is just that if it's uh, for this week. It's lead, we have three games with the well, Chicago canceled. We got Detroit on Tuesday, then Boston on Thursday. And then we head into the All-Star break where there's a week off. So I don't know. I mean, if there's any week to to go into this kind of crap, which the Raptors have largely been immune from for the, for the first part of this season, this is probably the time. Like, I'd rather be doing this as opposed to a team like Milwaukee that had a guy like Drew Holiday miss 10 games and Durant missing, you know, all the games he missed uh, to do it going to the All-Star breaks. Not the worst, and uh, maybe it gives the team a little bit of a. Ch- I mean, we don't. Sorry, let me just say we don't know what's going to happen with the last two games of the season, but we know we don't have any all stars, and we know we've got a break coming up. So maybe it's a chance to recalibrate. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it could it could work out quite well for the team overall, just to get get healthy, get a break. You know, a lot of those, a lot of our top guys are playing pretty heavy minutes. Yeah, but yeah, who knows? I mean, the rest of this week is this going to be gone? Um, probably. You know, if they're canceling tonight, what are they going to be ready on Tuesday? I, <laughs> I wouldn't think so. No. And you mentioned this before. I mean, how many games have been canceled this year? Thirty-one, I think. Thir- Thirty-one. Thirty-one, somewhere in there. And how many have been rescheduled? Just three. Three. Wow. I, I we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was trying to do some research on on this uh before the pod because the the you know this obviously could be an issue especially if we have three games postponed and three winnable games when you talk about you know chicago's on par with us detroit is detroit and boston is not playing like they play us well but they're not playing well right now and so you know we're going to talk about a a tough second half schedule coming up but like i want the raptors to play these games man yeah these games matter especially tonight's and and Tuesday's game really matter for our, for our schedule though, and getting those wins. And so, um, the, but the NBA hasn't said much, man. They came out. They originally said they were going to try to get all postponed games played in the first half, and then that obviously became untenable with the sheer amount of games. And they came out in late January and said they they were going to then try to fit games into a second half schedule, which is already crunch for time. Like the yeah. Raptors have eight back-to-backs in the second half, which it's basically like a seven-week uh, schedule. And so right now they're looking at it, and like we said, 30-31 games, only three of them have been rescheduled. So it could be... Do you think that they might re- like say, hey, well, 
how many teams, I guess the next question, how many teams have been affected? And you're going to have to figure something out. Is there going to be a little playoff scenario for teams being like, hey, we got to make up these games? I mean, so the, some the teams are not. The Raptors were one of four teams uh, before today that had not been impacted by the... So majority of the NBA has. Well, almost so all they, of them. Now, yeah, so... Now, now 90%, 90% of the NBA has had games postponed. Um, so then you can do two scenarios. You can cut the season shorter if you need to keep the time period and say, hey, okay, sorry, guys, this is not going to be 72 games. It might be 65 or whatever, depending on the schedule, or you extend it. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. And well, the real, but here's the real question, uh, which is, which they're going to have to figure out. Um, you know, I only, I see one of two ways that they can, f- um, figure out the rest of the season. The first would be a two week break before the playoffs and a bubble again. That's number one. Or number two is, you know, say that basketball and hockey and baseball, like relatively small numbers of people. When you think about like 45 people per team, which is what the entourages have been capped at this year, just give them the fucking vaccine and let's, <laughs> let's play some ball, man. It's too important. It's too important to the psyche of people that are locked down in their houses with nothing to do. Um, yeah. It gives people no. something to look forward to. And I think if you asked anyone, like, you know, the U.S. is, is vaccinating 1.7, 1.8 million people a day. You're telling me that the world's going to go crazy if like 2,000 NBA players and coaches get vaccines? So the season- Well, they're in the U.S. It would here. I mean, under our healthcare system. But hey, let's not get into politics. No, I'm just saying, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm not getting into politics. I'm just saying that it's- uh, I get it. Give it to them. I, I agree. I let's, agree. Let's keep yeah. it going, man. Professional sports is too important. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they handle it. It's not an easy task for Adam Silver. That's for sure. No, it's not. I don't envy his role. Uh, okay, so we talked schedule. Why don't we do a second half? Yeah, let's talk second half. Let's talk like current snapshot. So I'll just quickly go through a couple of metrics here. So Raptors are 16th in the NBA in offense. That's points per game. So right pretty much in the middle. Defensively, they're stronger. But here's an interesting thing from the Raptors, which is different from previous years. And it was touched upon in earlier podcast segments. They're 23rd in the league in field goal percentage. However, they're sixth in the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. And they're fourth in the NBA in attempts from three. So, yeah, I mean, the Raptors have typically never been like that before. And the one danger is that you go through a stretch where that field goal percentage drastically decreases from three. What's going to happen? So, good thing the D has been consistent. Although they are worse, they literally are the worst team in the NBA in rebounding. Number 30. Yeah. Big problems. And it, 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 both of those issues come back to the center position, right? When you have Gasol and Ibaka, you're going to get rebounds and you're not going to need to take as many threes because you're going to be dominating in the paint. And so we see it every game. They, they settle for shots that they otherwise wouldn't. We see it in, in our perimeter players who can, like guys like Norman Powell and Pascal who – you know, can drive to the bucket anytime they want, but they're settling for those shots. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, if they get, you know, something I want to talk about later in the podcast, but like, I, I really think we need to, we need to address that this year. I don't think it's something we can, we can leave, um, we can leave open. It's, we're just too vulnerable as a team heading into crunch time without any, any power there. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when you have closing time, it's Lowry, Van Vliet, Powell are your three guards out there. And then you've got Pascal and OG, and OG shoots threes. You've got one guy who can post up, essentially. One. And he's not a strong post player. So, yeah, leads to the threes. And we're going to probably live and die by it. Yeah, listen, if you live but if you're going to you know, if if we maintain our field goal percentage and 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 keep shooting it like we have been, it's going to be we'll be fine, but you know, as like it come crunch time in the playoffs, like those shots disappear, those easy looks disappear. They do. And, and transition baskets disappear. I mean, they're high on that list. Uh they're second in steals in the NBA and they're fifth in blocks. And a lot of that obviously is Boucher. And he's vital to the perimeter defense from stopping those three-point shots or altering it, as we mentioned. So, D, keep it going. Offense is is the uh, the iffy. We'll see. Yeah, and I, I don't think Donta Hall is the answer. Who? <laughs> right. Like we just. Although that. I'll say the two guys, if we want to do a quick G League reference, um, Alize Johnson is looking like a strong performer uh he's really picking up numbers the other day he got like 37 points 15 boards uh he shot like 75 percent from the field and he's second in the g league and rebounding hey man he keeps that up bring him up <laughs> bring him up for some boards we have a well with the alex len um with the alex len uh, release we obviously have a, a spot open and so we have that we've reserved that right but yeah they called up Donta Hall, uh, who is the uh, he's 6'10", 230. Um, he didn't play on uh, on uh, Friday against Houston, but I guess that that's an idea of bringing another big guy in. I, I know nothing about him. Haven't recently. Yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's cut talking about him too. That's a little yeah. too much time on. All right. Um, so yeah. The, I, I, oh, one other interesting metric I just came across. It's on ESPN site. Um, I, it was, uh, strangely positive for the Raptors. Well, maybe not strangely, but, uh, they have a basketball power index, which is a measure of the team's strength. And it's meant to be a predictor of a team's performance the rest of the season. So it looks at how many points above or below average a team is. It counts for game by game efficiency, strength of schedule, pace, days of rest, location of games and the expectations that were put forward. So, I mean, it's a bit of a nerd stat as well. It's it's similar to those, you know, war stats and every other sport and those type of things. But that being said, um, the Raptors are coming out in sixth of the NBA at this point. The ranks are Milwaukee 1, Utah 2, Brooklyn 3, Lakers 4, Clippers 5, and then your your Raptors, ladies and gentlemen. That was uh, That's a very interesting stat, not one I'd heard before. Um, I like it. it if it has the Raptors, you know, in that class with all those other teams. Uh, I wish I believed it. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, here, it, it, what whatever these numbers mean, you know, when you look at number one Milwaukee, their offensive rating is six and a half and defense is point six. So the Raptors are a 1.3 on offense and 2.7 on defense. So uh, there you go. I mean, the defensive measure is higher than most. I found it interesting. Well, in here, not surprising. Brooklyn is a 6.9 on offense and a negative 0.5 on D. Right. Uh, so it looks pretty accurate on the expectations there, but they're obviously among some of the leaders on the defensive end. And 
that's why they're highly ranked. And their offense is higher than the other teams that are more defense-focused, and that's probably because of the efficiency from three. So let's hope they keep it up. Totally. Yeah, it's going (laughs) to – I like the team, and I was thinking about this earlier today. This is why I really want Masai to make a move uh, to address the five because – like I, I just think I think the world of our team. I think we're we're, we're young, and the the core that they've established is very is, is good, and it should be in that ca- in the in the same category. There are very few teams that have as deep uh, sort of a, a one through four as the Raptors do, and um, we just need to make some small adjustments. Well, I, who are you going to get? Who I, I mean, there's not much out there unless you can get like a Demarcus Cousins. Who, one thousand percent, doesn't want to play for the Toronto Raptors? No, he's if not. You want to talk about a ring chasing? Uh, yeah, I'll leave it. I won't well, say more. But that guy's like, hey, I want to play in Brooklyn now. Like, give me a break, Demarcus. Yeah, but Demarcus right? Cousins also. Demarcus Cousins is a twenty and ten guy who uh, can write his own ticket, and it's just so it's it's just so right, don't take it. He can't. He's injured. He, he last three years. He's getting league minimum. He's getting waived by teams. And I'm sorry, Demarcus, you're you're nothing. But he's got Boston, L.A., L.A., and Brooklyn all chasing him. And so that's what I mean, is that, like, the Raptors aren't even really in that conversation. I don't know who they should get, Phil. That's Masai Ujiri's job. My job is to tell him to get someone and to rant about it on a podcast he's and not then judge him by who he chooses. Telling you right now, Masai is reverting to his very patient measures, and he's playing the season out. That's my prediction. He's doing nothing. Nothing. Who's he going to trade? Who's he going to get in? It's it's worthless. It's a it is a a team that is fourth in the Eastern Conference, but that could easily be tenth if they go through a three game losing streak. That's how tight the four to ten seed is. There's three teams in the East that are comfortable. Otherwise, what do you, I mean, if the Raptors were number two right now with, and they were like 12 or 15 games above 500, I'm sure he's looking, but what do you get? I mean, what, how are you going to improve the team? I mean, that's my, we'll leave it at that. Let's talk a bit more about that afterwards. Sure. Let's get into the schedule uh, that we face second half. So you said to me earlier that uh, there, there's one stretch of games that you think will make or break our season. And you didn't tell me which one, but. Having looked at the season um, or lo- looking at the second half, I would have to say that the stretch you're talking about begins on April 28th against Brooklyn on the second night of a back-to-back, and then we go Denver, Utah, Lakers, Clippers. Bingo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. I looked at the schedule, and I just felt like I felt like throwing up looking at that. That's, uh, a, tough, that's a tough week, man. Yeah. That's what I mean. Given how tight the Eastern Conference is from that six to 10 seed, you go on that stretch and you lose six games in a row or five games in a row. Where does that put you? It's not good. Yeah. No, the, the second half is tough, man. But uh, we get we get Cleveland and Detroit, which we haven't played yet. Um, we get uh, the Knicks. We get... Uh, hey, don't, under, don't say the Knicks like they're easy. I'm I'm saying the Knicks like they're easy. Uh, I don't I don't, no, I don't I argue with that. I mean, look at their team, man. They're, they're they're tops in defense. They're playing well. They're 500. They're competing against this man. The Knicks suck, and they're just a they're a terrible franchise, and they're they're not for real. That's I'm just my going, opinion. 
Yeah, I think the tide has turned, man. Tide has turned with the Knicks. That's a telling, listen, you, telling you right I can, now. I can accept someone saying, uh, you know, the Knicks are playing well. Julius Randle's having a good year, and RJ Barrett's, you know, coming into his own. But to say the tide has turned on the New York Knicks, they're not a loser. Based on guys. 34 games, <laughs> 34 games in a COVID know. season, that's a big problem. They got the right coach. They've got a defense first mentality, team approach. They got the right fits. They are the New York Knicks. At some point, someone's going to join them. The tide has turned on that franchise, and I will stick with that. And we'll talk about it later on. Well, we'll have and, to see. But my all that's saying, like the Raptors, like we mentioned earlier, eight back to backs, um, really tough Western Conference, um, really tough Western Conference swing. Um, the only the only real benefit to that, uh, when I don't even know if it's a benefit, but the but the the games you were talking about, um, uh, they're on. Oh, they're, uh, sorry, I thought they were at home. They're actually all on the road: Utah, LA, and LA. Oh, that's what uh, I mean. Denver is all on the road. The road is brutal. Yeah. I think aside from that, aside from that stretch, aside from that stretch, our schedule is pretty favorable. I mean, yeah. obviously, we should beat the Knicks, as I mentioned. Like they're where they are, but that stretch is going to make or break the season. Hopefully, the se- hopefully they'll have built up some wins by then that they can afford to. Go five or zero and six or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're gonna go. I I don't think they're gonna go for six in a in a swing like that. I just my concern would always be that w- looking at that stretch, like say we don't beat Brooklyn in the second night of the back to back after we maybe beat Cleveland, and then it's like, well, the Raptors need to win like three of the next five, you know, and it's like, oh man, that's that's yeah. a tough schedule. I'd like to be in the place where we're pretty solidly in the playoff picture by that point, and it's like. You know, if you go two and three, if you go one and four, it's not going to kill you. But, um, well, but then the they, yeah. they got to play the Clippers again the next week. Um, but then, like, it's not a tough, it's not that tough of a finish. Um, no, I think the schedule is favorable aside from that stretch. I think aside from that really concentrated, ridiculous, ridiculous games we have to play on the road, we're looking okay. Yeah. So, Raptors have to play like they have in the past, take care of business against teams they should win. And then you hope that you can get like on that stretch, if you got a couple wins on the road there, that's a huge plus. If you went two and three, it's five games, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you went two and three, I'd be happy. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the the other question is, is what are these teams going to be doing uh down the stretch, right? So, you know, Kawhi, if Kawhi's on load management, like Oh yeah, you have to hope that you have to hope that you're going to have exactly you're going to have some Brooklyn and the LA teams could very well be on some type of load management. Sure, Uh, Denver always scares me, and Utah. The question will be: Are they still for real? And I mean, they're 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 for real in the regular season. They're annihilating teams. Annihilating teams. No, they're good. They're they're a very very good regular season team, and they have been the past few years. Yeah. So you don't. It's not really one the team you want to face. No. Um. So yeah. It, no. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a tough second half. And like, it's, there's just so many lingering question marks about. Um. About it, right? Uh, you know, are the. Uh, is there going to be a trade made? What's going on with the COVID protocols? Like all these things are going to really factor in. But it seems like it'll be a good finish. And I actually really like the fact that it's tight in the Eastern Conference right now. 
um, because it makes the games more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, it really does. I was really worried at the beginning of the season when they started two and eight, where it was going to be like, eh, like, yeah, maybe if they win five in a row, we'll get back into that play in tournament. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, like all in all, from where we started, I think staring down the second half of the season in this position is pretty good. And uh, I'm feeling pretty confident that we can stay in that in that top six. Yeah, I think, I, I think so as well. I think naturally you'll see you'll see some separation of the top six eventually. Uh, and it's really I'm surprised at how tight it is. But you look at Miami's coming on strong. There, they're they're looking good. Uh, I think they've won like five out of the last six and or six out of the last seven, something along those measures. And they're beating good teams. Yeah. We're not talking like they've got like Detroit back to back and facing Minnesota. Like it was a hard schedule. And yeah, the teams that you, who knows, are the Knicks, are Charlotte, and who else? I mean, like those. Indiana. Indiana is good. I mean, there's talks of Karis LeVert coming back sooner, way sooner than expected. Um, but they're a good team. I'm surprised at their record. And, of course, Boston, if they figure it out. I mean, the fact that Boston's a game under 500 is shocking to me. Yeah. I mean, was it really? I mean, they've been hit by the injury bug. I mean, Marcus Smart is an incredibly important player to them. And Gordon Hayward was a big loss. It's showing like he was a kind of like long-term glue player. Like he was a big he was a big t- uh, part of that team. So I think they're missing him. Yeah, Gordon Hayward, like he he very uh, low key went like last year in his comeback year, sort of had I think he had like eighteen points, six assists. He had a good season. Yeah, he's good, man. And uh, Charlotte made a really good play to get him. Yeah, and well, they just uh, overpaid him. I mean, as much as he's good, like they, sure, they, here's some money. <laughs> but I actually, I I think the Hornets. So when you look at the at the teams below the Raptors, the Knicks. So I think the Celtics and the Heat are for real. Uh, I think the Celtics are going to figure it out. They're too good not to. Tatum and Brown are just ridiculous. I don't believe in the Bulls. I don't believe in the Pacers. I don't believe in the Hawks. But I do. I think that uh, the team they've put together in Charlotte's exciting. And I don't like maybe they're they're a playing team. Maybe they crack the top six if they go on a run. But I like the glue that they've got there. And I think they could be a lot of fun to watch. And I'm just glad that the Raptors have already got most of their games. I think all their games against Charlotte. I think so. So and we won that season series. Which is good in case we have a tiebreak with them. Uh, what what is shitty is that we've lost the tiebreak against Miami. We've lost tiebreak against Boston, and yeah. so that could come back to bite us. Hopefully. Well, is it official with Boston? How many games have we played against? Well, we lost. Them? We lost two, and I think we we play one more. Is that it? I thought we played a lot more in our division. Anyways, we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Well, uh, okay. So let's go. I, I still I think the Raptors are going to be the five seed. And that's uh, with no actual true analysis other than where they are now. And I think they'll be jockeying around. So five, maybe six, but I, I put them at the five because I think that, you know, good, uh, a really good end. They're going to be the four seed. Poor end. They're going to be playing in for that eight. But see, even at the five, the though, even at the five, you have us. So I think that like we're in fourth right now. Um, tied with New York and Boston and My- Miami are both uh, a, a half game behind us. And, you know, as I look at those two teams, you know, I, I, I do, I think, like I said, I think Boston's just had a bad run. I think they're going to find them, find their game and they'll be back. And I think they're like legit the fourth best team in the conference. Um, 
And then, so what you're saying, I guess, is that you think we're better. We're going to finish with a better record than Miami. Maybe. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm I not confident with my prediction. Like I said, <laughs> you're talking it out, you're talking it out more and I, I kind of want to renege on it, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, the the yeah. proper reply would be the six. Yeah, I have. A, but, I mean, that really is, but I'm going to say five just for the standpoint that I think they're, I think one of those two Boston Miami is going to end in disappointment. It's just one of those seasons for them. Which one would you hope ends in disappointment? I'd say, judging by Miami's play and the players are getting back, that they're going to... I think Boston's in trouble. They're really struggling, I think. I mean, obviously, the potential for them to get it back, but unless they get... I don't know. It's just, they're really... It seems, the only, it seems the only thing that can break a Boston losing streak is a is a evening game against the Toronto Raptors. That usually does the trick for them. <laughs> Good point. Um yeah, and maybe that's why I'm so uh, not as down on Boston. Just that they've they've had our number all year, um, but uh, but I, yeah, I just I just Tatum Tatum and Brown have crushed us so much that I I, I just figure they're going to get it together. Yeah, but you say that, that's against us against the rest of the league. They're struggling. Yep, hundred percent. They blew it. Didn't they blow a twenty point lead against New Orleans last? Yeah, week? they're not. They're they're just. There's something, like you said, is it because is Marcus Smart back? Is he playing? Yeah, so he's been out for a while. He's he's huge in their team, huge. Yeah, I mean, but like, and then I, Gordon Hayward, and like, like, yeah, who else? I mean, but as Raptor fans, we know this. We know this, right? Like, you know, the we started the season two and eight, and you know, when you look at the Celtics, uh, they're four and six in their last ten. That's what's dropped them out, and so. You know they go six and four in their next ten. You know, like they, it's an it's an easy thing to uh, sure. Like well, given the records and the expectations of the East now, good point. And Milwaukee, uh, you know, they they obviously had that bad run. They've won four in a row. They get uh, holiday back. W- pardon me. Holiday's coming back too. That's right. So I think I think they've gone through their bad stretch of the year. Um, I, I honestly. Uh, I don't think Philly's going to be in the top spot. I think Philly's going to be in the third spot by the end of the year. Um, but I think that uh, the wild card in that prediction is the Nets. Like I can totally picture the Nets having a sort of an up and down second half where like Harden's not playing and they like where they, you know, maybe only have all three of them for you know, 40, 50% of the game, something like that. And, but I still believe that they, they bring it together for the playoffs and I just can't see anyone in the East beating them. Yeah. Well, I, I I agree. I agree with that with the Brooklyn assessment. I mean, I do think that this is a Eastern Conference is about three teams. Uh, that's it. Yeah. I think the rest of the rest of the Eastern Conference are a bunch of pretenders, including the Raptors. So, so one thing I wanted to bring up with you, uh, just because it was a fun story for me this week, uh, is the play of the Washington Wizards. They, oh yes, Washington is uh, is seven and three. In their last uh, in their last ten games, they were they won five in a row, and then I think they lost, and then they and then they've won two more since then. Um, they're playing good ball, man, and like you know, obviously, anytime you got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in a backcourt, like things can happen. You can win games, and like they beat some good friggin' teams. Oh, yeah, in that stretch. Well, now, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying anything. I'm not making any predictions. I don't think Washington. I mean, could they be in the play-in tournament? Maybe. 
Um, oh, I think they'll be in the playing tournament. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's just fun to watch. I, I've always been a Westbrook fan. I think he was largely written off, and I think he's showing people he's still got some fight left in him. And I just really respect Bradley Beal um, for the player he is to consistently say, I like where I'm playing. I like my team. Like his, the Washington Wizards suck, and they've basically sucked, you know, save and except for that one Paul Pierce year. They basically sucked the entire time Beal's yeah. played there. And, but for a guy like, and they're not like a historic franchise that's like a cool place to play. And so for a guy like Beal to be like, I'm sticking with this team, I want to play here, I like being here, I like the franchise, build around me, I think it's great. And I think we need more people like that in the NBA. Um, and so anyway, I just, just a, uh, an off. Oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of secretly rooting for them. Um, I think Russell Westbrook gets so much disrespect around the league. It's absurd. Yeah. It's almost like they treat it as a, it's bad if he goes to your team, which is just ridiculous. Um, and he's there. Uh, apparently, he is being, uh, you know, having the relationship with Scott Brooks from the OKC days. I read an article about how he is really teaching these young guys on this Wizards team what it's like to be a true professional in the NBA, yeah. what you have to do, what sacrifice you have to make, how much work you have to put in. And I think you're starting to see it. I mean, defensively, they're just horrific. <laughs> but, um, maybe that's getting better. I mean, maybe there's just little plays during the game. I mean, obviously I'm not watching their games. I, I checked to see box score, et cetera, but maybe there's just little points in the game where things are getting a bit better and 50, 50 plays and effort are going the Washington wizard way because of that effort from Russell Westbrook and telling people what to do and what you need to do on the court. Um, I can totally see that. And then you've got one of the best scorers in the league in Bradley Beal and Westbrook being a, triple double threat still every night hey yeah they're gonna be in games now yeah. and uh yeah so i'm kind of secretly rooting for them for that part obviously if they play the raptors i can't stand them and hope they fail miserably but yeah yeah good point to bring i'm glad you brought them up because i just wanted to we i think uh i think they need a little more respect as well and who is your uh i wanted to ask this when we were talking about the raptors second half who's your first half raptors mvp Van Vliet, like I, I can't put it to anybody else but him. Uh, he's been the guy who's been there, the most consistent. He has, uh, I think he is an all-NBA defender. Um, he should be on an all-NBA all D team. Um, he offensively, as much as like there's some games he struggles shooting. I mean, the 54-point game was just so special. And he... The clutch shots, the moments. Uh, I, I just, I love everything Van Vliet, and he's been the consistent guy in our team to him. I'll go. Um, I agree. Uh, I totally agree. But just for the sake of uh, saying something different, I'll go Norm, and I'll just say that you know his spark uh, since coming to the starting lineup, you know, averaging over twenty points a game, and if you look at a lot of those uh, key wins in the last, uh, you know, sort of 20, uh, 25 games or so. Uh, there, there's a pretty direct correlation with Norm going off and having big games. And so I think he's just been a real key for our team offensively. Um, but hard to disagree with, uh, with Fred um, for sure. All right. Trade rumors. There was major news or I'd say major news, not around the NBA, but uh, just uh, rumor mongering about Kyle Lowry and potential trade packages with teams like Philly uh, things like that. I, mean, I think they're all garbage. Um, and I, I just got to say this. If we trade Kyle Lowry 
for some two bit center and the draft pick, I am going to be livid. Yes. Livid. Yeah. You do not do that to your the greatest player in your franchise history. No. Now, if you have a sit down, uh, Kyle and Masai sit down and say, hey, you know, here's the scenario. We're not going to resign you next year. Do you want to go? Like, if you literally put it out there, hey, do you want to go to a contender and you work out some trade? Okay, sure. I could be happy with that. But right now, like, I think nothing's happening. And if they do trade him, I'll be upset about it. The only team, the only trade that interested me now, and it was a rumor that I saw and it was a three-team deal, but ba- the, effectively what it was was um, – swapping Beverly and, and Lowry and some other stuff. And I, the, the only, if, if, if the raps aren't going to sign them, uh, I would love to see like a, a surge Kawhi, uh, Kyle Lowry playoff team in the Clippers. I just think it'd be fun. And I think Beverly, Beverly's defense would fit in nicely with our team, but I can't uh, stand Beverly. I know uh, I'd have to, maybe, maybe he'd grow on you just being like, okay, he's our guy now, but I, I hate him. Um, I mean, hates a strong word. Uh, I, I dislike him thoroughly for his style of play, and he's just annoying. And the only other, the only other player that was remotely interesting to me was Seth Curry. Um, but again, you're really like that's that's not. There's no. There's not a. Fair yeah. Thing. What's the improvement to your franchise? You know, if you're going to get, if you're going to part ways with Kyle Lowry, you know, to get someone like Seth Curry. Uh, oh, come on. Well, but but also, I guess you got to think about it from the perspective of it's it's something or nothing, right? Like if the Raptors aren't going to re-sign him, and so I guess you. But again, I, I, I don't just rather, disagree. I'd like rather this. have him leave in the off season as a free agent oh, through some yeah. shitty trade that does nothing for us. Oh, do nothing for us. That would do. I'm guaranteeing you if we had some trade with Philly where we got like one of their 2024 second round picks cuz they don't have any picks by the way. They've given them all up for like Tobias Harris and everybody. Like that what do they have? And who are you going to get? Like Seth Curry and some backup center? I'd be livid. I hate Philadelphia. Yeah. Can you imagine and Kyle they hate the, going? I hate the Eagles too, but I really hate the 76ers and if we if like I just I can't I just uh, oh, I can't awful. You, I gotta say my into the 76ers like it's just unbelievable I, I got a reference uh, so my brother-in-law is a huge New York Knicks guy he's a New Yorker and uh, we had a discussion about this and uh, I he was he was the Ewing days and he said it was one of the worst moments of his life when he saw Patrick Ewing in a supersonics jersey he, he said it was just awful so you know Raptors fans out there if you have that mentality of like, we got to get something for him, just stop. At the end of the day, what are we going to get for him? He's on an expiring contract. He's 35 years old. Um, stop it. I'd he's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go out a Raptor. Uh, if he has to go, it's in the off season, but Hey, give yourself a chance to try and resign him. I, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'd resign. Like, like what the hell? I mean, we're talking like it's impossible. Like that's, that, that's never going to happen. There's a chance. So don't trade him. Dude is dude is 18. I think he's 18.86 and 5 this year in a He's incredible. Yeah, and he's 35, 36 like point guards on a team where he's he's like not the number 1 option to put up the kind of numbers he's putting up, the leadership he brings. Like yeah, my first option would always be to re- try to re-sign the guy. 
Yeah, so just give yourself a chance to do it. It's probably a low probability, but give it yourself a shot. Don't trade him for a rack of basketballs and that. That's just disrespectful. And I wonder what the market is going to be like for a Kyle Lowry next year where revenues are going to be down considerably. So you'd think the salary cap is going to get lowered. Um, you just never know. I mean, you never yeah. know. You look at it. Yeah, because you think about some of the signings that happened in the offseason where teams were were overpaying. And so well, I bet Lowry- Luke Kennard on the Clippers, it's like, well, are, are you are you crazy? Yeah. So it, it makes me believe that Lowry could still probably fetch a pretty penny on the open market and yeah. probably something that hey, he's he is most likely gone. But after what we did with OG, Fred and Pascal last you week, made it clear that's our three. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty tough to bring in a guy like Kyle in the sort of 25 range, right? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, who knows what he's going to get? Whatever it is, it's probably going to be too much. But yeah, I, I just the talk of like we got to get rid of Lowry for something is absurd. Stop it. Enjoy Kyle Lowry and potentially his last season as a Raptor. Uh, enjoy his play. Enjoy what he's done for the city, and don't root for a trade. That's absurd, especially to Philly. Yeah. All right. So let's let's end on that note. Until next time. All right. Which might be like seven weeks from now if we get back to games, but we'll see. All-star game. We have to do all-star edition. We'll do an all-star edition. All right. (laughs) That's it. Until next week. Thank you, everybody.